Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Get a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, uh, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Uh, I'm I'm so excited for this week. I'm so excited to get ready for camp. So this is why if you're watching the video, you know, I got my hat on. I'm just hanging out and just packing, get ready to go. So this will serve as the podcast for Monday. Um, and so there's also going to be some things this week from camp. So be looking out for that on all the social medias there too. And I'm looking forward to you guys seeing everybody there. Um, again, thank you guys again so much for being patient with me as, as uh, you know, as things change and I kind of rearrange my schedule. So I, I really appreciate you guys and your patience. And I look forward to continue to keep studying and growing with you guys. All right. So let's get into um, our topic. So let's see, let's call this one. I feel like I got to figure it out. I feel like I got to figure it out. You guys ever been there? I have, you know, where you feel like, you know, when multiple things happen and, and kind of feels like all the weight and, you know, all the responsibility is on you and you kind of don't want to let, you know, whoever down. And so it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of weight. That's what it really is. Sometimes, sometimes these things in this life, um, they can feel like weights. And it feels like when the weight is put on you, it feels like, number one, you have to solve it all. But then number two, it feels like you have to carry the load on your own. And so we don't we don't necessarily have to do all those things. And and so as we think about this topic, guys, I feel like I got to figure it out. As I was thinking about this today, um, here's a couple things that that I uh, I came up with um, that that's helped me. And hopefully it can help you guys as you go through your things in life and, and things just you know, maybe it seems like right now uh, you got so many things on you and you feel weighted and it just feels like, you know, you got so much. Maybe uh, you could be in a situation where things were going well for a while. And then all of a sudden, like literally in a day, just things just change and, you know, you have to adjust. You know, I've been in both situations. It's it's difficult. So so what do we do and how do we how do we bounce back, I guess? So how do we bounce back? So here here's a couple things. So number one, the first thing we got to do, and this is going to sound weird, but it, it really does work. Um, the first thing when you find yourselves in these situations in life is number one, just be still, be still, you know, isn't it so easy to be, uh, to be frantic, to be, you know, to have your mind jumping in 15 different places when something happens and to think the worst and to assume and to you know, have a, have a bad attitude about what's going on and, you know, isolate yourself. It, it's so easy to do all things. And I've been there too. It's, it's so easy to do those things, but it takes a certain, um, a certain maturity and it takes a certain, uh, level of emotional control to be still. So look at this real quick. Look at the uh, Psalm chapter 46. Yeah. Psalm chapter 46. And I want you to notice, uh, verse number 10. It's one of my favorite verses. And but the, the great thing about this is David, when he wrote this, 
he actually lived what he's saying here. And so notice this in Psalm 4610, it says, be still and know that I am God. So let's stop right there. So in, in your midst of chaos, did you know that you and I have the ability to be still? It takes a it takes a strong and faithful man and a strong and faithful woman when things are going on, when things seem to be crashing in their life to be still, to be still. Sometimes in this life, when, when things happen and when when you crash, when when things crash around you that you thought wouldn't crash, sometimes you have to sit there and you instead of reacting, you have to evaluate what's going on. So here's an example. So think about David. Everything in David's life was going well up to one point. He'd kill Goliath. He was he was going on on missions for for Saul. He was bringing back, uh, you know, victories from the Philistines. Everything was going well for him. He had his friend Jonathan there. And then all of a sudden he's playing the harp. And then after he's playing the harp, then Saul throws a javelin at him and tries to kill him and runs him out. And so now the same person that helped exalt exalt David is the same person that's after his life. And now he's on the run. And so think about think about the situations that David found himself in. He found himself in situations where, number one, there's sometimes you have to come to the realization, maybe at this point in time and maybe at this specific juncture, there is nothing you can do. So was David just going to have a conversation with Saul and just change his mind? No, Saul had Saul had something going on mentally. So he wasn't just going to have a conversation with Saul and just be all kumbaya. David had to wait. And so remember when he was uh when he was in the cave and then David had opportunity to kill Saul, but notice he didn't do it. You see David learned whatever was happening in his life, whether it was Saul chasing him, whether it was Goliath coming after him, whether it's his son chasing him, no matter what happened, David learned to be still and understand that God is still God and let me evaluate what's going on rather than just react. For me, it, that's so easy, isn't it? When something goes on, your first instinct is just to react. Uh, well, I guess, and then you, you notice when you react, you always think the worst. <laughs> and then that makes the situation worse as it is because you're thinking worse thoughts. So Dave says, look, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we have to be still. And this is this is so tough. And, and this is something that I haven't mastered yet. But I'm in the process right now of mastering this. We as Christians have the ability in the midst of financial, in the midst of health crisis, in the midst of personal crisis, in the midst of spiritual crisis, in the midst of re relationship crisis, we have the ability to be still in the midst of chaos. And that's why later on in the New Testament, that's why it mentions as Christians, we have a peace that passes all understanding. And so we have to use this ability that the Lord has given us in Christ to be still and understand that God is God. So when you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you got to figure it out, here's a couple things that I, that uh, that I've seen other uh, wise men and women do, and that I'm trying to implement in my life. So one, just just sit down, sit down and think about what's going on, and don't do anything. Two, 
sleep on it. One of our instructors always told us, no matter what went on that day, do not make a decision based off of what happened that day. So you can't make a decision on a blue Monday. So whatever happened, take it, evaluate it, think over, look over it again, and then reevaluate the next day and keep moving forward. And so as we do those things, it'll help us to be still. So then number two, so as you're trying to figure stuff out, when it seems as if life is crashing, when it seems as if uh, you've got all this weight and responsibility on you and things are things aren't going the way that you want them to go right now. Number two, not only should we be still and know that God is God, but two, this is this is a good one. Two, your prayer life has to increase tremendously. I mean, just on an insane level, it's got to increase. You know, this week I had the opportunity uh, to do just that. You know, I, I had an opportunity to just take a day and 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 go pray. And so there's a spot that I like to go to. And those that know me, I'm not going to tell you the spot, especially you guys that are local. I'm not going to tell you because it's my spot. But it's a spot that I go to that I've always walked around that whenever um, I had to make a major decision, I would go and I would walk the same route every single time, maybe two or three times the same exact route. And as I'm walking that route, I will walk through and sometimes, you know, the, the, the neighbors or whoever I wave at or whatever, as I'm walking, <clears throat> they'll kind of see me as crazy because I'm actually walking as if I had a friend or someone there next to me. And so I'm actually kind of, in a sense, talking out loud. And so I'm reminded of what Jesus did in, uh, in Matthew Let's go. Let's go to this text here. I want you to look at. Uh, let me make sure I have the right one. I believe it's Matthew chapter fourteen. Yes, Matthew chapter fourteen, verse twenty-three, and we can learn so much from Jesus as he went. I was just thinking about this the other day of how focused Jesus had to have been while he was here to know and to understand that everything that he was doing was leading him to the most crucial pain that anyone has ever felt, and even though little situations would come up and, and persecutions would come up. He was still so focused and he was still able to be still and look at the big, the bigger picture. And so this is what he did here in Matthew 14. So I want you to notice verse uh, 22 through uh, 23. And so straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship to go before him on the other side. And he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. You know, when was the last time you really spent some time in prayer? And when I mean time, I mean, I mean, I mean like a, either like a whole day or maybe while you're in bed and you can't go to sleep and it's two in the morning and three in the morning where you like you pray yourself to sleep. I'm talking about that type of prayer. Not a 30 minute, not an hour. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about really, really just praying and detailing everything. When was the last time you did that? I can't, I, sometimes I think about um, those conversations that Jesus must have had with God. And remember now, Jesus was human like us. So Jesus felt, Jesus was, he had every emotion that we had. So can you imagine, you know, what it was like to hear those conversations between Jesus and his father, 
you know, Lord, you know, I know my time is coming. Lord, I, I, I want to lead. I want to do what you want me to. I mean, imagine the, the, the deep intimacy in that conversation that Jesus had. And so when you feel like, when you feel like number one, everything's crashing, that's bad in and of itself, right? Then two, when you feel like not only everything is crashing, but then, you know, all the weight and everything is on your back, that's bad as it is. And then on top of everything crashing and all the weight on your back, then you're by yourself. You got no help, you know, that's bad. So that's three strikes and you're out, right? That's not a, that's not the best situation to be in. And so what about your prayer life? Think about how can you pray? How can you do better? And here's kind of an insight, you know, as I was, as I was walking the other day and, and talking, you know, out, you know, a lot of it, sometimes here, here's something, it, it won't make sense as you're talking. You know, it, it's just, so imagine a time where you were going through a, a trial or, or something and you talk to a personal friend, you know, you're just spewing everything out. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe at one point, five minutes in the conversation, you were really mad. And then 10 minutes, you calm down. And then 15 minutes later, then you got mad again. And then 10 minutes later, then you got calm again. So sometimes as you talk to the Lord, it's not going to, obviously we are to be reverent and we are to be respectful in our prayers and in our communication with him. But I'm talking about sometimes you'll talk and sometimes you won't even know what to say. You, you know what you need, you know what you want, but you just don't even know how to put it in a sentence. You know, we looked at this the other night and, oh man, it was such a wonderful study in the book of Romans, but Romans chapter eight, it's such a beautiful thing in verse 26 and 27 that says, likewise, the spirit who helps our infirmities for, we know not what we should pray for as we ought to, but notice but the spirit itself make an intercession for us. Notice with groanings that cannot be uttered. You guys ever gone through something and you groaned and you couldn't put your pain into words. Sometimes in our prayer lives, guys, we got to get there to where Lord, I don't even know there was, you know, I've said prayers where I don't even, I said it like 15 times in a row. Like, Lord, like, I don't even know. Like, I don't even, like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like you want to know what you want to say, but you just can't, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. And so it's a, it's a beautiful thing to know that God understands those. I don't knows. He understands those. I don't know what to do. He understands those. I can't figure this. He gets it because the spirit helps with our groanings, which can't be uttered. We don't even know what to say. And so verse 27, he that searches the heart knows what's the mind of the spirit and he maketh intercession for the saints. This is why I'm so glad Jesus had those opportunities anytime that he could to go pray. Because in those opportunities, now him being our mediator, according to Hebrews, he knows exactly what it's like to be us. He knows exactly what it's like to have life crash down on you. He knows exactly what it's like to be hurt. He knows exactly what it's like to deal with all this hurt and pain year after year after year and, and being by yourself. He knows, he knows because he had to go through it. And so, you know, imagine having somebody that knows you so well that when your prayers are being uttered, that you don't even know what to say, Jesus intercedes on your behalf and he goes to the father and he says, I know how Jordan feels. 
I understand. I understand his pain. I understand his weight. I understand his responsibility. I understand his desires. I understand all that because I was him. How amazing is that? You know, sometimes we really have to give Jesus more credit. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just gloss over so many of the things that he did for us. We're, you know, sometimes with Jesus, sometimes I believe we just, even in our own study, we just hit, we just go to the tip of the iceberg. I mean, he's done, he's done so much for us. And sometimes, sometimes I forget, but this is why we got to study and remind ourselves who we serve and, and who we have on our side. Even though sometimes when things are crashing, you know, sometimes it feels like we don't have an ally. Sometimes it feels like we don't have somebody to, to talk to about these things, but you always have him. And it's, it's amazing to, um, to have that type of relationship with God. And, you know, I hope that you guys can develop that and I can continue to get there too. So as we're talking about hope, I just can't seem to figure it out. You got to be still, you got to calm down. And then number two, after you're still and calm down, then you got to go pray. You, you have to have that relationship with him. I think, and again, let me mention this too. So many times, and this is, this is what I see in, in most congregations. And this is what I see mostly among people my age as well, twenties, thirties, you know, that kind of young professional, maybe married age when something happens and when things crash, we rely on venting to other Christians rather than talking to God about it. So I'm not saying it's wrong to talk to other people about your issues and problems. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but I'm saying that shouldn't be your number one option. I'm saying your number one option needs to be talking to God as, as you would talk to your family, as you would talk to, you know, whoever talk to him. And so let him help you figure those things out. And this is what I learned too. And let me give you all a little nugget here. Sometimes in your issues and what you got going on, sometimes, and this is, this is something I've had to learn the hard way. Sometimes you got to keep some stuff close to the vest. Sometimes you just have to let him know about it and just let him handle it. And after you get done praying about it, don't bring it up to anybody. If somebody asks, don't bring it up. Sometimes just let it go. You know, maybe let it go is not the right word, but leave it, leave it in the Lord's hands. And sometimes, you know, you, you can't just keep talking about it and keep dwelling on it. You just got to leave it alone. And so that's what's helped me throughout the years too, that, that, um, that so many have taught me and including my parents. And I appreciate that very much. Okay. So then number three, what's the last thing we need to do? So as we try to figure these things out, Sometimes, so let's go back to the original question. So the original question is sometimes we think we got to figure it out, right? And so here's, here's the solution. Here's the answer. When things are crashing in your life, when things aren't going well, when things, when it feels as if every responsibility is being laid on you and more is being laid on you and you're called to be more, this is, this is the answer. And this is kind of crazy. I just kind of thought about this. This is the answer. You just keep doing what God wants you to do. So isn't it ironic that when, when, when life crashes and when life hits, who's one of the last people and the last things that we stop doing? 
in my experience, the last person we go to is God. And the last thing we go to is worship. Isn't that ironic? But look at this. Look at look at Job chapter one. We're studying the book of Job in our uh, Tuesday night class. And if you want to get in that, let me know and I can let you all in. Um, but notice, so after Job, I mean, simultaneously, just after so many things happen, notice the first thing that Job did. So verse number 20. Then Job arose. Here's something that my parents and other people have taught me. When something happens, whether that's life disappointments, whether it's personal disappointments, whether it's spiritual, no matter what kind of disappointment it is, you have to get up. You have to get up. Others can encourage you to do it. Others can give you the strength to do it. But you have to have the strength to get up. So look at Job's situation. Job lost his family. Job lost his health. Job lost his reputation. He lost so many of those things. But did Job, even when he had the, even when he had the excuse to stay down, what did Job do? So what's the first step when we got to figure stuff out? Job arose. He got up. Then what did he do? Verse 20. He rent his mantle and he shaved his head. So after Job got up, then what did Job do? So when you rented your mantle and when you shaved your head, then in the Old Testament, it was a sign of weeping and mourning. And so notice, so when that happened, did Job stay on the ground and then weep and mourn? What did he do? Job arose and he weeped and he mourned. So what does that show? In my eyes, this was Job telling Satan that this is the worst pain that I've ever felt. But this was also Job telling Satan, I don't care who you take away. I don't care who you pit against me. I don't care who you don't want with me anymore. I will get up and I will grieve, but I will not let you stop me. Guys, <laughs> as I thought about that today, sometimes as as Christians, we need to get our we need to get our grit back. And this is what I mean by that. Job had such a mindset to where he didn't care. He obviously he missed his family. Obviously, he missed all those things that he had because throughout the rest of the book he grieved in multiple ways. But Job, even from the beginning, he let Satan know, you will not beat me. You're not going to beat me. And sometimes with with myself as well, I've had to train myself. Look, if, if you're here, if you're not here, if this is taken away, if this person is taken away, if this company is taken away, if this money is taken away, if this job is taken away, if this encouragement is taken away, you will not stop me. You're not going to stop me. Now, you may hurt me and I may grieve. So when I lose those friendships, when I lose, when I lose those things, when I lose that encouragement, I might cry and I probably will. I probably will hurt. I probably will grieve hard. But just because I'm grieving don't mean you won. You're not going to beat me. And that's what Job is saying here. You're not going to beat me. He got up. And then notice, 
Then after he got up, after he grieved in verse 20, then he fell back down. But notice, he didn't fall back down to grieve again, guys. He fell back down and he worshiped. So when you're in a situation where you feel like you got to figure it out, what's the process? Guys, Job showed us the process. You get up. I don't care what happened. You get up. So this, this, this proves that a man can lose everything that he holds dear and he can still get back up. This proves it. Verse 20. Then after you get up, you grieve. You let the Lord know. You cry. You pray, you cry, you pray, you do it over and over and over. And then the only time you fall back down is not to not to succumb to what Satan just took away, but you fall back down and you worship. That shows the humility that you know that God is in control, not Satan. And so isn't it just, I'm getting the chills, man. It's just, it, sometimes you have to, you have to remind yourself of the power that you have as a Christian over Satan and over these things that can happen. You know, I saw something the other day, and these are our closing thoughts here. I saw somebody, he said, I'm no different than any other man. He said, I'm no different. He says, but the only thing that makes me different from most men is that when trial and when all this stuff happened, I decided not to quit. <laughs> he said, I decided not to quit. He said, so the only advantage that I had over most people was that I just endured longer. That's it. So what made Job different from everyone else? He had the ability to endure. And so for you and I, you know, there's so many things in this life that can hurt us and that will hurt us. And y'all, let me tell you something, man. Satan doesn't care. Satan will use anything. I mean, he will use family. He'll use uh he'll use life circumstances. He'll use he'll use people at work. He'll use brethren at he doesn't care. He'll use anybody. And he'll he'll do what he can to make you suffer. But you have to have that mindset, and I have to have it like like Job did. Look, man. You can throw anything at me. You can take whoever away. You can you can make whoever hate me. You can it doesn't you're not going to stop me from doing what the Lord wants me to do. And it doesn't mean you have to have a bad attitude. It doesn't mean you have to this is not a this is not a a a, a brash or a arrogant attitude about life. But sometimes guys, in order to get over your stuff, you have to let Satan know, look, you're not going to stop me. You're not Jesus did it. Remember Matthew four? He said it three times. It is written. It is written. It is written. So in Jesus' words, you're not going to stop me either, Satan. And remember, he even told Peter. He said, look, man, Satan, you get behind me. He said, I'm not doing this. What do you mean? Guys, sometimes the strength that we're all crying out for, the strength that we're all complaining that nobody gives us, Maybe we got to start giving ourselves our strength first. And then maybe we can start getting up and fighting. And that's a lesson to me too. You know, so many times when, when things happen, we sit around waiting for other people to give us stuff. 
Now, should should brethren encourage us? Yes. Should we be there for one another? Absolutely. But sometimes I think we have this victim mindset that when things don't work the way we want them to work and when things crash, we'll sit at home and we'll wait for 10 people to contact us in order for us to get stronger. Those 10 people that contact you in order for you to get stronger, they should be icing on the cake. You should be the cake to get stronger. And that's I think that's something that I had to figure out. So many times, you know, you sit here, well, you know, just you're not getting anything to, you know, no one's, you know, no one's, you know, calling or texting to see how I'm doing to see if I get it, I get it. And that's great. And that's icing on the cake. But, you know, one thing that that dad uh, taught me and other faithful men have taught me is you got to learn to strengthen yourself. And then when other people strengthen you, then that'll be like a super bonus to help you get stronger, too. And I think this is something that we all got to learn too, guys. So when you feel like you're in a situation where you got to figure it out, y'all, I'm telling you, these three things is difficult. I mean, you know, I've struggled with it. I still am. I'm not saying I got to figure it out, but, you know, I'm trying to work through the process of of figuring it out by doing these things. Now, this is way, <laughs> this is way easier said than done. But as you go through your problems and situations in this life, as you follow this, you'll get better. I promise you that you'll get better. And so I hope that this can help you. And I hope this has helped you as it's helped me. And I hope that we can continue to, uh, you know, to, to overcome these things, but then to help other people overcome them. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, love you guys for what you do. And, uh, you know, when you encourage yourself, find somebody to encourage this week, find someone to text. Find someone to see how they're doing, see what you can do. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate what you guys do and and growing with me. And it just means so much. And I can't can't thank you guys enough. So we will see you guys uh, next week, hopefully with some more camp stuff. So we'll be looking out for that. And uh, we'll see you guys then. Thanks, guys.